listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen, amen. Y'all can have a seat. As, uh, yeah, y'all can give it up for the Lord again. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I always love clapping in a Baptist church. There's like a brave first person. It's like, it's like looking around and then like everyone else starts going. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, hey, what I want you to do is it's lights have come back on. I want you to just kind of take a few moments, look around the room. Get a good scan. Like, yeah, hey, Drew, what's up, man? Doing all right? I like that shirt, bro. See you Thursday, 2 p.m.? Sweet. Sounds good, man. Yeah, kind of look around the room. Um, Drew and I are doing discipleship, if you're wondering, what's Thursday at 2? Um, and so anyway, as you kind of look around the room, what I'm going to guess is that uh, everyone in this room uh, could probably, maybe even, <laughs> to be honest, should be <laughs> doing something else right now, like studying, or whatever it may be, or uh, after you leave here tonight, um, you're going to try to go study and before you know it, like Netflix has been on for three hours and you can call it a night. But everyone in this room um, is busy, right? By raise of hand, um, I'm joining in with you in this. By raise of hand, how many people are in this room are tired? Yeah, yeah, all right. So something really, really cool. Uh, I think God works in big things. God works in small things. But back in, back in August, um, one of the things, I, this is really July um, of last year, one of the things I wanted to do, uh, kind of put before God some ideas, some directions that I, I hope to go and like, God, is this where you want to lead? And kind of asking him, God, is this kind of some, are these some series that would be beneficial for our students? And so from, from August to, to now, I really felt God's affirmation, like, yeah, this was good for us. This is where we need to go. Um, and I was looking at about four weeks or so left which is the week one week tonight. And I was like, okay, it's the, the end of the semester. Um, man, we just, we're gonna be getting done with Follow Me series. Very, very challenging, um, very intense by nature of Jesus's words. Um, I think all y'all agree that that was a challenging series. And I was thinking, I'm gonna guess that a lot of people are gonna be tired, ready for the semester to be over and kind of just put before God that thought like, Man, I don't really want to press the gas. I don't really want to be like, um, like getting you to think about um, doing something really crazy at this point in the semester. I was thinking, where, how can I meet them where they are? How can I be aware that everyone's tired? Like my temptation is every series to get you so inspired that you just want to go storm the gates of hell with the gospel. And I was just thinking like, that's a good thing, but... I don't know if that's going to really meet them where they are, and I don't really know how many of them are going to be able to tune in and listen. And so as I was processing and thinking about this, I, I came to going through the Psalms um, in, in a series that we're going to do in the next four weeks just called Exalt. There's no fancy graphic for it. Um, it's just we're calling it Exalt. And the idea comes from Psalm 8 that we would, and really throughout the scriptures, the, the, the term or the definition of just exalting God, getting our eyes off of ourselves, our own situations, our own stresses, and exalting the Lord with our, with our eyes, with our mind's attention, with our hearts. And so um, 
here's my goal for this series, and I hope it's not just a spoken goal, I hope it would be effective, is in these next four weeks, the fifth week, May 4th, we're gonna do uh, kind of a fun like sending celebration thing. We're gonna recognize those that are uh, graduating, uh, our, our fourth year or, or seniors. We're gonna recognize that. Some people that are going overseas on missions, some people that are gonna be going uh, to South Dakota in June. So kind of a fun, like just a celebration of what God's done this year and all that. But over the next four weeks, I want you to leave here Feeling like, and this is a big task, this is my reliance is on the Holy Spirit and God's word, feeling like your soul has been refreshed. Feeling like that God is so big that no matter how stressed and tired you are, that he's got this. Does that make sense? And so my, that's my heart behind this series, that's my heart behind why we're in the Psalms. And so um, how many of you, uh, I'm not trying to exclude anyone that's not, like in the athletic realm or, or sports, but just by raise of hand, by uh, raise of hand, how many of you were involved in in sports really at kind of at any age? Good. And so, how many of you kind of went through either middle school or high school, and whatever sport you did, kind of like the two a days thing? You know, what I'm talking about raise of hand who went through that. Okay, do y'all remember how hard that was? Yeah, I remember it, it was like. You're five minutes into the day and you're like, I think my coach wants to kill me. Like, actually, he said he wanted to kill me. I heard it. And like, I, I'm gonna go tell my mommy when I go home, like, Coach so-and-so wants to kill me. Um, I, I just remember um, going into like seventh grade football and not having really prepared, like typical like summer kid, like playing video games and eating Cheetos all summer, which are a great combination, by the way, if you don't know that. It's amazing. Um, you're like, bro, you just talked about video games last week. Don't worry about it. Um, so just not in shape coming into seventh grade football and they made us do this awful thing called running. Have y'all heard of that before? Um, it's terrible. And like, I remember all of my teammates were like, I think an hour into practice, they decided let's just run them to death. Um, like, and uh, you know, the, the up down thing where you like drop and then they tell you to get up. So we're like, we're all dropping. We're looking over. Like there's a dude like, you know, passed out over there on the sideline. And, and like, I'm, my stomach's churning, all this stuff. And it just, this moment hit me. Let me just, you know, I'm on the ground like this, you know, just, just dead, right? Y'all get the picture? All right, this moment hit me. I was like, I, I wasn't ready for this. I do not have the grit that it's gonna take to play football yet. Like there's, Everything that playing football involves has come at me. And there is anything I can do. It has slapped me flat on the ground. I wasn't ready for it. This is hard. I realized I, I don't have the grit that it takes. Now, thankfully, I eventually got that over the course of a season, over the course of years. Um, let me translate this idea of, of grit into everyone's lives. I touched on this last week, um, but I feel like... Um, a lot of us kind of come into life and walk into life, especially as we begin following Christ. Um, and life continues to come at us. And before we know it, we are on the ground like seventh grade Cole, out of breath, beaten, bloodied. Like, like we're like, I don't think I can do this. And what maybe some of us find out, I want to lean into this gently, is that when it comes to matters of our faith, uh, we don't have a lot of grit, we can, we can have things that sort of come at us that really are normal everyday life things that can really, really shake us up. Um, we can be one day just um, all for Jesus and something happens and, it, and it's like, 
are you even there, God? Like, where, where are you? Like, one day, like, on the campus, sharing the gospel with someone, and the very next day, doubting God's love and God's goodness because of circumstances. Are y'all tracking with me? And I think what happens, and I've been where you are in those same seasons of being tired and kind of looking at reality. You're looking over the next couple of weeks and like, how am I possibly going to come out alive, <laughs> right? I think one of the things that we must do as Christians is develop grit in our faith. But basically, what we need to learn how to do is answer the question, how do we in our faith move from this elementary, so shakable, so movable type faith. We're just kind of flip-flopping into more of a graduated, mature faith where we have some grit and things come at us and our posture is not so quickly to just be like, God, where are you? But our posture is quickly be like, God, you're right there. I'm gonna stand firm in my faith. I'm gonna have some grit. I think you're like, you talked about having your souls refreshed. Well, I think there's a certain extent which if you haven't grown with this type of endurance, it's gonna be really hard for you to have a posture of rest in God, a posture of finding him as your refuge. And so if you will, turn to Psalm chapter 55 with me. Psalm chapter 55. What you're gonna find something really cool about this chapter. The ancient context of this is basically that David is experiencing some harm and suffering at the hands of someone who's kind of coming after him or whatever. We don't know exactly when. We can take some guesses at what is happening here. And especially when you look at the biblical narratives of, of, of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, we can kind of see maybe what's going on. But what we end up finding out is someone close to him who is responsible for some kind of backstabbing or whatever it may have had. And, and, and David is distraught. David is um, confused. David is having emotions and feelings of um, God, like, hey, why, why are you letting this happen? Everyone had that feeling before, God, why are you letting this happen? And so that's kind of the ancient context of what we're looking at here in Psalm 55. And what's really cool, um, this actually foreshadows, we're gonna see this in a minute, how Judas, one of the 12 disciples who betrayed Jesus, how Psalm 55 kind of foreshadows this a little bit. And so what that means is we're reading Psalm 55, we can call it a semi-messianic psalm and that it foreshadows something that actually happened in Jesus's life, that, that his, one of his own close friends, disciples, betrayed him. And here's where I'm going with this. You're like, okay, that's cool. Some of you are nerding out, like that's awesome. But here's where, why I'm telling you this. As we read this, these emotions that are expressed in Psalm 55 are emotions, although perfect yet without sin, that maybe Jesus felt in some of his suffering, that maybe Jesus felt when he kind of felt like the world quite literally was against him. Does that make sense? And so as you read these, I want you to know this isn't, oh, this is a good psalm for weak Christians. Now, this is something, emotions that we're all gonna feel. So let's read together Psalm 55. It says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they drop trouble upon me in anger. They bear a grudge against me. I think what David's saying here is just like, God, like, I'm in trouble. Like, I'm, I'm anxious. 
I'm worried about what's going on. I'm tired. These troubles, these things just keep piling up. Like I kind of figure out one thing and then another thing comes in. I think you hear how it says uh, because of the noise of the enemy. You see that in verse three? Let me tell you something really insightful a pastor told me a while ago. A lot of us, maybe some of us do, a lot of us don't have the type of enemies that David's talking about. Like, like people throwing spears at you to kill you, right? Like if any of you have that, let's talk and get you some help, okay? Like we have some security guards we can recruit for this. Um, but so what, what he tells me is that a lot of us, um, especially with Jesus' teaching on how we should approach enemies and, and turning other cheek and not looking to harm other people, um, that, that's a good thing, right? Good virtue is that really, he said a good way to read scripture when we hear enemies is, is a very real enemy and that's, that, that's Satan, Right? We talked last week about the, the battle that we need to awaken to. And as I'm re- listening to this, I'm, I'm, because of the noise of the enemy, I, I'm thinking about David is probably hearing little lies. Hayes talked about that on Sunday, lies that the enemy gives. Like, David, like, you're, you're worthless. Like, God is not gonna help you. God's not gonna hear your prayer. You're in this situation because of what you did. And it's almost like um, David, like, let's put him in modern day. He's like, constantly, this is printing there's a loud, audible voice that he couldn't escape. It was like, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Like, let's pretend that like TJ back there cranked up the volume and those speakers were just saying, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. Like, it's getting louder and louder and you can't drown it out. And David's like, he's running out of the venue and he grabs some AirPods, like puts them in and he's like, okay, good. And all of a sudden the AirPods are like, you're in trouble, you're in trouble. He's like, throws them out like, no, no, I can't get it out of his head. It's like all he could dwell on, all he could hear was this sense of God's not there, he's not going to take care of you. You're in trouble. And of course, he was stressed out. He was overwhelmed and worried about what was gonna happen to him. And so he cried for help. Let's keep reading. In verse four, he says, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Rest sounds nice, doesn't it? Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. So there's this anguish. There's this fear. There's this feeling of being overwhelmed. And like literally like this guy, David, is like, if only I could just fly away. He's like, God, what about this? Give me some wings. I'll just start flapping. I'll just fly away somewhere. I'll get away from all this mess, everything that I'm facing, everything that you're bringing to me. Rather than dealing with it, God, rather than confronting the issue, let me escape it. Do y'all remember the words and the more? Okay, hold on a second, wait. Who's seen Forrest Gump? Anybody? If you haven't seen Forrest Gump, you need to see Forrest Gump, okay? But there's one scene, it's kind of a sad scene where Forrest is with his friend, Jenny, and she has a, a really just mean, terrible father. He's abusive and they're, they're running away from him and they're out in the field, they're trying to, to hide. And I remember what Jenny says, he says, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from here. And I can hear her Southern accent saying that. I'm thinking for you tonight, if you're like, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from this exam. 
right? Just going to fly away, get rid of all my troubles. Dear God, make, make me a bird of life far, far away so I don't have to confront this breakup that probably needs to happen, right? God, just get me out of this. I, just help me find an escape from it. And sometimes that escape is in the form of, of substance or, or media, whatever you just want to, whatever you can do, right? God, whatever I need to do to disengage from this. I'm gonna pretend like this doesn't exist. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> it's not just Gen Z that feels that way. David was feeling like this. Just, God, just get me out of this situation. Verse nine, I'll pick up with it. He says, destroy, O Lord, <clears throat> divide their tongues, <clears throat> for I see violence and strife in the city. Like he's not saying like cut up some tongues and divide them, y'all know that, right? Like, <laughs> maybe you didn't know it, all right? <laughs> all right, so this is a reference to the Tower of Babel when all the languages were confused amidst <clears throat> the people because they were trying to build a tower to heaven and they were doing pretty pretty good job and they were getting prideful and God's like, okay, I'm gonna give you all these different languages and make you confused and all those things. Like, There's a whole lot to that. But this is a reference to the Tower of Babel. It's basically like, Lord, humble these people who are coming after me. Destroy, oh Lord, like get rid of them. Like this, these problems that I'm facing, whatever, get rid of them. I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night, they go around it on its walls and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Depression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. And so besides flying away, the other option is, Lord, destroy the problem. I'll tell you what, if you won't let me get away from it, just snap, like, Hey, God, remember when you, like, spoke and, like, created the world? Could you, like, do that with my problem? <laughs> I think you can, like, right? <clears throat> it was funny. It's, it's, it's kind of human nature, isn't it? It's like maybe there's someone in your life that's given you this trouble and this stress. <laughs> and it's like you can't get away from it. And, and the human nature is like, well, maybe I could just get rid of them, <laughs> right? Or whatever this thing is, it, like, this cancel culture idea, this um, ghosting idea, like, let's just make this problem that is in the shape of a person, let's just make them disappear, right? It's easier, it's human nature. And, and they would go so far as to say, just destroy them, kill them. You're, make them dead to me. Isn't that crazy? I think, too, something you need to see and mention I don't want you, to, you guys to feel like Satan's always kind of next to you, picking on you, doing that. I don't think that's an accurate picture. I think, I think he can be creative sometimes, but I think he whispers a lot. I think he whispers lies. And so there's, I can tell you, just being in ministry, there's so many times I, I see some struggles some of you are having or just suffering that you're experiencing. And I, and I want to say, Lord, can you just destroy the work that Satan wants to do in their lives? So I, I, I feel this. You ever seen a, a friend suffering and, and, and you know it's at the hand of someone else who's kind of influencing them and they're like, look, did you just get rid of them? God, if they could just have a clean slate, they could do so much better. Lord, please give that prof professor a job offer at UT. Um, don't have to, when I retake my class next year, don't have to do it. Lord, if my professor gets COVID, the exam will be postponed until next week. God, you feel me? 
human nature. Some of you are giggling like, yeah, that happened. It was awesome. And you still didn't study, right? <laughs> Zam came back around. <clears throat> I want you to read, let's pick back up at verse 12. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, <clears throat> then I could bear it. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could just hide from him. Verse 13, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng, let, let death, oh man, he's mad. Let death steal over them. Let them go down the shield alive for evil is in their dwelling place. <clears throat> And their heart. And so what was happening, it was a close friend involved in what David was facing. It was like a, a backstabbing. And, and, and what we, we see this psalm fulfill, like I said, with Judas towards, towards Jesus. A little bit of silver and like, man, yeah, he'll betray Jesus just for a little bit. Even though they had years together, they were friends, they broke bread together, worshiped together. I mean, Jesus is the son of God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Any of you ever hear, um, this is interesting to ask you, any of you hear maybe something said about you and like it's maybe a rumor or some type of gossip and maybe it's kind of like a, a shot at your character or maybe it's something that you've done or not done and, and what you know immediately is like, man, I know exactly who that is. I know, I know who did that. I know who said that. And then you kind of investigate a little bit and you're like, you find out it wasn't who you thought. You're your enemy, right? Like the person is like, man, they're always causing trouble. Have you ever had that happen and then you find out that it was actually one of your close friends that said it? Oh, man. Doesn't that hurt? It hurts, right? Like, like for guys, I thought we were bros, man, you know? Girls, I don't want to take a shot at like what you say. I'll probably mess it up, but yeah. You're like texting, you I can't believe you're right. You just started a fire, girlfriend. But it hurts, does it? Like when you're, you're expecting that from like an, like an enemy or someone who's never been a fan of you, but like when it's someone that you know and you love, someone that you've had lunch or coffee with, and man, that hurts. And it can have that feeling <laughs> like, let death still over them. Let them be dead. That's verse 15. Can hurt so bad. Whatever hurt they brought to you, you want it brought right back to them. And sometimes what they did to you or said about you makes you feel dead inside and you want them to feel the same thing. You know, I, I, w- I wanna carry this further and this isn't like a, this isn't like a, oh, like poor, pitiful me, but I, I just tell you, friends, some of the nastiest, no, not some, the nastiest, meanest things that anyone has ever said about me has been another church member. The most cruel and hateful words, the, the things that have hurt the most have been from people that I've shared coffee with and lunch with and, and, and loved and, and prayed for and have been for them, <laughs> did everything I could to try to make life better for them. Isn't that crazy? <clears throat> and so this is sometimes reality. We got to have grit through this. This happens. People get hurt. Something that they said, there's something that we did or something that we didn't do, or sometimes they say hurtful things. And the temptation is verse 15 to say, (laughs) they're dead to me. 
I'll keep reading in verse 16. Pretty bleak picture up to now, right? Pretty, pretty bleak, like kind of depressing. Okay, so at this moment, I'm asking, maybe you're asking like, what now? Okay, like this sucks, we get it. Like this is a bad position to, to be in. Someone that you're really close to just found out is obviously not for you at all. Not only that, they're spreading some rumors about you, they're talking bad about you, and David sits there probably trying to kill him. What do you do now? A beautiful conjunction in verse 16. But I call to God. But I go tell my friends what they did, and then we get them back. No, it's not what it says. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. Like he's saying like multiple times in the day, like just pleading like, Lord, help me, save me. And, and the, the promise of verse 16, he will save me. Verse 18, he redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. For many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them. He who is enthroned from of old because they do not change and do not fear God. So, so what the psalmist does here, I want you to see this, what David does here is he takes all these problems that he's having and he turns them into a prayer. How about that? He's like, I can sit here and continue to com complain and dwell in it, but he turns his problems into a prayer. He turns to God. He's like, wait a minute. Hold on. This is exactly the type of things that God is here for. He's here for the things that seem impossible. When I'm overwhelmed and, and stressed and, and anxious and, and fearful and distraught and every negative emotion you can think of, those are the defining moments where we get to see the greatness of God on display. And he says, but I call to God and the Lord will save me. Verse, verse 17, he says, and he hears my voice. Did you, did you know that? That God hears your voice? That he hears your prayers? I remember, I think it was a little over a month ago, um, Hunter Peterson called me. Where's Hunter? See back there? Hunter Peterson called me. I think he was with Stephen. Um, and they were like, bro, like we're out. Um, we're trying to find some place to eat. And he was like, I was gonna see if you had any recommendations. Now, let's rewind a little bit. Let's, let's get into Hunter's mind and let's ask, of all the people he could have called, why would he call Cole for restaurant recommendations? And I think he kind of looked at me and was like, that brother looks like he knows his food. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's kind of where he was going. He was like, that brother's probably been to every burger place here in town, probably has some opinions, probably has some Yelp reviews or whatever it is. And so he, he, he was just kind of doing the math. He was like, okay, this, he, he can help me. He's got this. And so, of course, I give some recommendations and he didn't even take them, which was just rude. Yeah, come on, bro. I mean, come on. You know, I, I know where to go. And so in that, in that moment, it was a really stupid illustration, but like, he, he's like, wait a minute, I don't know the guy, I know just the guy to ask. How many of us, we just forget and end your stress and, and being just crushed by the weight of life or so slow, friends, we're so slow to just be like, wait, I know a guy. His name's Jesus. And I think he says something like, to cast my burdens on him. And y'all remember that passage from last week? And we're, we're so slow 
to reach that realization. He said, I've got a God who's an expert in the area of problems to be fixed. <laughs> God is not a jack of all, God is not a jack of all trades. He is an expert <laughs> of all trades. <laughs> I've got some help and I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna turn these problems that I'm having into a prayer. Amen? Yeah. Let's keep reading and pick it up in verse 20. In verse 20, my companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. It's an idea of like, man, we were, we were close. Like, we were like blood. Kind of translating the idea of covenant. Like, he stretched out his hand. Man, like, he violated our friendship. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. He's kind of, y'all notice, you're like, hey, did we, didn't we already cover this? Like, your situation's really bad. You know that person just keeps going on and on and on about how bad their situation is? And they, they, they start redeeming it, and then they like, kind of go back like, bro, can we, get, can we go to the next thing? Like, come on. Like, we get it. It's like David is starting to kind of go there. But what I think what he's getting to, he's emphasizing like, you know, you know this is really burdensome to me, God. We can read Psalm 55 like it's, like it's David's prayer. God, you, this, this is bad. Like, this is crushing me right now. And then he says in verse 22, cast your burden on who? Your friends? Call your parents, complain about it for hours. Disengage on Netflix, whatever. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O oh God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. So let's kind of go in reverse. He's having a realization there's nothing that I can do about what's happened. It reminds me of the verse... Vengeance belongs to the Lord. He's like, God, I'm gonna trust you that you know what you're doing, that you allow these bad things to happen to me at the hands of other people. And I'm just gonna know that you're gonna bring out justice, you're gonna bring out vengeance in your own way. And I'm gonna keep my hands off of that because it belongs to you. He says, cast your burden on the Lord. I think a lot of times what we do is we think prayer to God is just coming to God with all these kind of like shallow words. They're very repetitive, um, happy words, right? Like we need to praise you, God. Like, Lord, thank you for this and that. And we do need to praise him and thank him. But can I tell you something? God doesn't want us to come to him with happy words and heavy hearts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that against you, makes it. If you're note takers, this is good, all right? This isn't me, this is a quote from a, a book called The Possibility of Prayer. He says, God doesn't want us to come to him with happy words and heavy hearts. He wants what's in our hearts 
to be poured out into our words. He already knows what we're thinking anyway. He already knows what you're feeling anyway. And so when we express our true heart to him, that's one of the purest forms of worship. When we express to God how we're actually feeling, what we're acknowledging, I'll lean into this, when we express to God what we're actually feeling, we are thus indicating in that moment that we actually believe that he knows everything anyway already. (laughs) When we express to God what we're already feeling, we have an understanding that he already knows that and he is the one who is the problem fixer. He wants to step into that. And I'm not saying your poor is gonna give you money, that your suffering is gonna end the suffering. What you're saying is that I'm at the end of myself. I'm at the end of my rope. Finally, it took some time to realize it. And God, I need you. When we pray, friends, prayer is one of the most beautiful yet simple ways of basically expressing to God, I am in reality. (laughs) I actually get how this world works. You're great, I'm not. You're the helper, I'm helpless. (laughs) You're almighty, righteous, and holy, I'm a sinner in need of your grace. When we pray, we that's put on display the fact that we actually know what reality is. I remember whenever I was um, a little bit younger, I have a little baby sister, her name's Jamie. She's about five years younger than me. And uh, any, any of you ever like growing up with your parents or even now like have a garden we ever do that, like your own little garden in your home? Okay, not as many as I thought. But um, we, we, had a, we had a garden in our, in our backyard. And it was fun, like grew some different things and like, you know, we tilled the ground and everything and you kind of wet the ground as you're, as you're obviously watering, but also for planting so we can put the plants in. And we, we lived in West Texas, so hard West Texas dry ground. You've got to do some tilling and watering to get it loosened up. Well, my baby sister is like maybe about Eleanor's age, I think, um, about just a little over one years old, maybe closer to two. Um, and, and Jamie, my sister, um, we look over <laughs> and she's trying to walk through the mud and she's just stuck, guys. Have you ever seen a baby like stuck in the mud? You should, you should just YouTube or something. It's gotta be there. But she was just stuck like this. And for a minute, she wasn't crying. She's just kind of like, uh, uh, you know what I mean? And like, we could tell she was trying to go this way and she couldn't go that way. And she was really sunk deep into this mud. Like she she could not move, like here, like she could not move, even if she wanted to, she couldn't move out of that mud. And we just kind of watched for a little bit. I don't, what were my parents doing? Like, why, why didn't they not get her out? Anyway, that's a different story. I think we finally, they finally came up and, and like, I mean, it took a lot because there was like some suction involved with the mud. It was just a mess. It finally got her out, but it took a lot. I was thinking about that story a few years ago. Um, and I was, I was reading in, in the Psalm, like Psalm 55, and saying, like, the righteous cannot be moved. I think so oftentimes, friends, that we, we kind of, we treat the Christian life as if we're the ones sort of hanging on to the, the, the pole with all of our grasp as the tornado of life kind of comes through. And if we don't hang on tight enough, we're just gonna blow away and, and good luck. Like it's all about us. Man, if I can just hang on, if I can just do this, if I can just make this right decision and, and you are responsible, we're all responsible for what we're doing. But the, the meta narrative of scripture, meaning from Genesis to Exodus, the theme that we see over and over and over and over again 
is that because of God and what he's done in your life, you will not be moved. Romans 5 talks about that we are justified by faith and in this grace we stand. And I think about little Jamie at one years old, she was standing in the mud and couldn't move it. Even if she tried, she couldn't. And all of you in Christ Jesus are firmly planted, standing in his grace. And you think of life as you're trying to grasp on and hold on to God. He's holding on to you. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 55, knew it. David knew it. The righteous will not be moved. And you're like, how do you know that? Because the righteousness of Jesus Christ, Christ through our faith in him has been given, us to, given to us as a gift. It's free. It's been given to us. And so in Christ, we stand in grace eternally, immovable. And a lot of us are living this life like we're trying to grab and hold on to God. And he's like, no, actually, I, I have you. I've got you. You sometimes feel like we're so burdened and overwhelmed that life just kind of crushes us. And, and the reality is, is that the Lord tells us to surrender our burdens to him. He keeps us firmly planted in his grace He stands us up and he says, you're thinking you're holding on, but I'm actually, I'm actually holding on to you. <clears throat> I'm gonna ask the band to go ahead and come up. As we're, as we're going through Psalm 55, just come through this, there's a few applications that I want to just bring to you um, as we close tonight. And from Psalm 55, a very clear application that I can see is, friends, we wanna grow in, in grit in our faith. We wanna be a type of Christian who right now, for example, when all of us are stressed and tired, actually endure and have some grit about us. We learn to turn our problems into a prayer. Like, cold, but here's the thing. I feel like God doesn't answer my prayers and my response would be, you gotta decide if you wanna believe Psalm 55, 17 or not because it says that God does hear your voice, friend. And that word feel, I feel like God doesn't hear my prayers. Let me just tell you, you wanna feel your way through the Christian life, you're not gonna get very far. You're gonna be like a blind man or a blind woman, ladies. <laughs> God hears, he's got this. Pray to him. He may not answer in the way that you want or desire, but he's gonna answer in a way that's wise and ultimately best for you. Matter of fact, I've been praying for a long time. Rarely answers in the way I think he should. <laughs> but afterwards, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I was praying about another church years ago to go to, and God said no to that and eventually routed me here. <laughs> for example. So application number one is turn your problems into a prayer. The second one is this, friends. Instead of trying to remove yourself from all suffering, why don't we learn to lean into it? Instead of trying to just say, God, get rid of all these things, why don't we lean into it and ask God, what are you actually trying to teach me through this? Instead of why, God, are you allowing this to happen? Okay, God, it's happening. What are you trying to do? Show me. What are you teaching me? 
You're like, Cole, that is, that is so dumb. You don't know how life works. Like, suffering is pointless. I've never benefited from suffering. And I would just turn you to Romans 5. Let's read Romans 5 together. Romans chapter 5. Verse one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, check this out, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, suffering is God's primary vehicle for mine and your maturity and sanctification in Christ Jesus. You lean out of it and pretend like you should never be the object of anything but a pleasant, cushy life. You will never grow in Christ. But if you lean into it and trust him as your refuge, as your rock, and the one who is holding on to you, you will grow. That is the promise of Romans 5. Application number one was turn your problems into a prayer. The second application is instead of trying to remove all suffering, lean into it and have a third one for you. And it's very simple. It is trust and obey. You know the song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Here's what I mean by this. It's, it's a kind of faith that trusts God when it's hard. Anyone can trust God when it's good. There's people doing that all around the world. The measure of your faith is who is God to you when life gets real? <laughs> when you know what hits the fan, who is God to you? The obedience part is the psalmist. You know what he's doing? He's continually coming to God. That's his posture. He's so quick. When you're an early kind of baby Christian, your posture is to run away and distance from God. And as you grow and you mature, you get some grit. <clears throat> you're more <clears throat> quick to turn to him. Remember it says, Psalm 55, I turn to God. I came to him. I let my complaint be known to him. I had it out with God. This is the Christian life 101. And you're like, but, but Cole, like, you're talking about praying. How can I know and all this hard stuff that actually, actually trust Jesus? Why would I entrust my heart to him? Why would I actually trust him in my prayer? Like you're asking me to, to, to say all these things to God and like, is he, does he even care? Does he even know? Does, does he even experience what I've experienced? Does he even know what it's like to be human? He does. Y'all turn with me to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two. Verses 17 through 18, it says this. Talking about Jesus, therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the servant of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. That's paying for the sins of his people. Verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Yes, you can, you can trust Jesus because he has suffered just like us. You're not praying to a God that's just 
up and always lived this cushy little life, never tasted anything that we've experienced. No, he, he did. And suffered to the point of death on a cross for mine and your sins. That's how you can trust him, friends. He's for you. So some of you in the room, you're, you're Christians and your response needs to be to look back over these things. <laughs> you need to be quick to start turning your problems into prayer, to lean into suffering and see what God might want to teach you. And you need to renew your commitment to trust and obey him. But some of you in this room, you've never trusted in Christ ever <laughs> as your great faithful high priest who atoned for your sins, who paid for your sins that you might have a relationship with God. You have experienced this life with no redemption. And that tonight I would just invite you to trust in Christ. <laughs> I would invite you in to the realities of Psalm 55. I wanna give you about two to three minutes. The band's gonna keep playing. And I just want you to reflect on that. Believers in the room, what might you need to renew tonight in your trust and obedience? For those of you who are not, just reflect on a minute. Who is, who is God to you? And have you actually ever put your faith in this Jesus that we're talking about? So if you guys could just bow your heads and pray for a few minutes, the band's gonna lead us. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.